this morning in, in our remaining time, I just want to say a few words uh, about uh, Christmas, about Jesus and the purpose for why he came um, to us. Before we begin, uh, let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that all of us, in, in all of us, would be found a room for you. Not just any room, Lord, the throne room of our very lives. Lord, we pray that you would find your place and sit in it, Lord, and reign in us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just give us a little more taste this morning of who you are and what you have come to do for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. In Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That word, when it it says the fullness of time, it must mean the climax of human history, the thing that everything that had ever happened in the world and in the Old Testament and everything that, the, that was written was all pointing towards this singular day when this child would be born, the child of whom all the scriptures and all human history pointed to. And we're, we're going to read one example of this. Uh, this morning from Isaiah chapter 9. So if you're able and willing, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot... Of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of God. You may be seated. We're going to see two things briefly this morning about this promised child. And number one, he's a promised child of joy. Number two, he's a promised child of justice. Promised child of joy and promised child of justice. 
Number one, he's the promised child of joy. You see, if you've read through the book of Isaiah, uh, what you've seen is that Isaiah prophesies a lot about the exiles. There there was two major exiles in the history of Israel. God had brought them into the land. God promised to give them the land. They entered into the land. Their height, as it were, of their possession of the land was in King David and the life of King Solomon. But after King Solomon, the kingdom divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Israel was pretty much, the northern kingdom was pretty much wholly idolatrous from the very beginning. Whereas Judah had a number of good kings over the years that did would, that would turn the people back to repentance. But eventually they too gave it to idolatry. And the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered and exiled by the nation of Assyria in 722 B.C. And then Judah lasted a little bit longer. But they too, when they broke God's covenant, were exiled by Nebuchadnezzar to the kingdom of Babylon in 586 B.C. Isaiah prophesied of, of both of these exiles, but a big theme within the book of Isaiah is even as he's prophesying repentance about their impending judgment of being kicked out of the very land of promise for their breaking of God's law and God's covenant, at the same time he begins to prophesy of future restoration. And in Isaiah's vision here, he sees... He sees the land is in deep gloom, it says. A land in deep darkness. I brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. But in the latter time he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Naphtali and, uh, 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 Naphtali and Zebulun and Galilee is in the northern region of Israel. Right, So there's desert on the eastern side of Israel. Any kingdom that comes to invade Israel is always going to enter in through the north. The first, the first, uh, the first uh, uh, peoples that would be ravaged by the invaders of Israel is the, is the land of Nestali and Zebulun and Galilee because they're in the northern part of Israel. In the land who is in deep darkness, Isaiah is prophesying because of their rebellion against God. He says this land that is in deep darkness has seen a great light. A great light. And what is the source of the light for these people who have broken God's covenant, God's law, God's commands? What is that great light? It's a child. A child. It's the great light. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And think about what it says here. This child is what kind of child? He's a child of joy. He's a child of joy. He says, you have multiplied the nations, verse 3. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. You see, I think it's hard for us to imagine what these words would mean to an exiled Jew. But think about it. They're a Jew. They're descendant of Abraham. God gave them the promise. He gave them the promise of the land. And now because they broke God's covenant, they are, they are scattered out into the, the nations. No land, no identity, no God. But Isaiah prophesies that a great light would shine. Through who? Through a child that would be born 
that would be given, a child who would restore their joy. And we know that that's exactly what Jesus, the Christ, came to do. Not in the way they anticipated, but in the way they needed. They wanted a a ruler king to make Israel the the greatest of all nations and, and, and rule over the other nations with an iron rod. Jesus one day will do that, but that's not why he came. Not the first time. He came to deliver us from the greatest of all oppressors. Not an evil leader, but our own sin. The sin, the guilt of our own sin, which is dragging the whole world down to hell. There is great darkness over the land today. But there in Jesus still today shines a great light. A light, a king, a child that would be born who would be a king, not just over the Jews, but over the whole world. To give light, not just to the Jews, but to all people who will turn from their sins and believe in him and trust in him. Light will shine on you. To give us forgiveness, freedom from our sin, to lift the weight of the, of the guilt of our sin and to give us true and full and lasting joy forever that no circumstance in this earth can take away. In John 15, Jesus, again, shortly before his crucifixion, told his disciples this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Full. Jesus came to give his people fullness of joy. Did you you hear what I said? Jesus came to give his people fullness of joy. Right? See, so many people, they get this. they, They think that becoming a Christian is going to make life less joyful. And Jesus says the opposite. Jesus said, I'm going to give you more joy than you can even imagine. More joy than you can possibly bear. Not the fleeting, passing joys of sin that will end up destroying you, but the pure, holy, eternal joys of knowing the God who made you. Of the sure hope of of one day being free from your sin, totally safe to sin no more, and of living in a land of pure and holy joy forever with our God and blessed Savior. Joy unimaginable and undescribable, which which... If we just could even get the slightest glimpse of it, we would stop fooling around with sin. We would stop it. Because this joy that awaits us in Christ is so full, it's so great that it's not it's not that we love joy too much, it's that we don't love it enough. We don't want joy enough because we trifle around with all these fleeting things that are going to kill us rather than going for full joy, real joy, lasting joy forever. We need this today more than ever. Because why? Because Christians are, are, somehow Christians are not known for being joyful. That's a sin. It's a sin. Too many Christians today go around moping and complaining and grumbling in life like their God doesn't sit on his throne. 
and we watch the news and we get all upset and we grumble and complain. And how in the world does our complaining show the world that we believe a virgin-born child has come, the living Son of God, to free us from the grip of sin and give us life with Him forever? How does our complaining show the world that? It doesn't. It doesn't. Christians should be the most joyful of all people. Nothing should be able to get you down. Nothing should be able to break you. Not saying that we don't grieve over sadness. Not saying we don't grieve over loss. But at the root of our hearts, there should be the deepest, fullest, indestructible joy. Because we have a hope that nothing in this life can take away. Kill me. Who cares? I'm going to be with my Savior. We should be the most joyful of all people. Because we believe in a good God who reigns over all. Who has given us a promise that nothing can take away. Those who dwell in darkness. I've seen a great light. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Promised child of joy, number two. Promised child of justice. It's a promised child of justice. Look at this language that it uses of this baby. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If it wasn't a prophet that was saying these things, it would be blasphemy to speak of a man in this way. And yet he does. Because this child who would be born was not an ordinary man. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And look at the focus here. The focus here is... It's, he, it's on his government. It says he will, he will reign of the, the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David uh, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. It's the promised child of justice. See, many people today, they have squinty eyes towards authority. Right? Just squinting. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my boss. You got a boss. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you got a boss. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the boss. And he will reign on the throne of his father David to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness forevermore. You see, we live in a world of distrust, and it's true. Many people have abused their authority, and that's why so many people are skeptical of it. And part of it, too, is just sin. You don't have to teach a child to not want to obey their parents. They know how to do it, right? It's natural. It's called sin nature. We have a sin nature. We have a bent towards rejection of good authority. But what we need today is not a rejection of authority, but a restoration of authority. That is, we need a righteous ruler, a righteous king. And if history tells us anything, no human on earth can fill that role. Except for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And this son rules and reigns 
over all. And the Bible says that one day, Romans 2.16, there will be a day when, Paul says, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Think about it. There will be a day, hear me now. There will be a day when there will be no more such thing as injustice. There will be a day in the final courtroom of God and Jesus Christ who sees the motives of the heart where in that courtroom not a single ruling will be an error. Perfect justice will be dealt out including the thought, the secret thoughts and intentions of our hearts will be laid bare before God. He will sit on his throne. He will rule over the nations. Every wrong ever committed will receive its due punishment. And every righteous, every righteous act done in faith in Jesus Christ will receive its due reward. Every evil thought and motive of the heart that, that, that no one ever found out about will be punished. And every good thing that you did in secret that you never told anyone that no one ever saw, Jesus will stand before you on that last day and said, I was watching. I saw it. And I will reward you. You see, the perfect government is coming. It's coming. Every wrong will be made right. You ever been wronged? You ever wronged anybody? Every wrong will be made right. And then we will be changed. We will be made pure. We will be made gloriously clean. And we will be made in a world free, totally and fully free from the grip of sin. Never more, for those who are in Jesus Christ, never more will we ever have to wonder if we can trust them. Or whether they're trying to scam me or whether they're taking advantage of me. You won't even enter your mind to think that because we'll all be made pure, whole, free, finally, fully, truly human. The way God designed us to be. This child is a child of justice, of glory, of joy, of hope. So we have this morning a child of joy and a, and a promised child of justice. And the greatest question for anyone in this room this morning is this. Do you know this child? Have you prepared him well? telling you at Christmas at Christmas we, we, we set up our nativity scenes okay and we see this little baby in a manger and sometimes it's just easy you know that you know it's maybe it's just what we've always done but listen this is not about nice little Christmas traditions as good as they are that baby is a real person and he's not a baby anymore he is literally God in flesh right now, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And one day, he really will descend from heaven. And if you're, and if he's not in your heart, it will be too late. I'm telling you, it will be too late. That's what Christmas is about. The God-man come for us. And so as I close this morning, I just pray, don't, don't, don't just say, oh, that's just another preacher. I'm trying to help you. 
God's trying to say something to you. He is the Lord of all. And he will enter into your heart by faith. If you turn from your sin and trust in him, all your sin will be forgiven. The power of sin in your life will be broken and you will be made new, called a child of the Most High God. And when your king comes, it won't be a day of fear. It will be a day of joy. Because your Savior has come for you. So if you don't know Christ, trust him today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ.